It's show 119 of the Rim Pro Report. This week, Dick Fordham of Recovery Point and the latest industry news. This show is sponsored by our good friends at O'Neill Software. Here's the thing. You need to get yourself over to that old Facebook website and find O'Neill Software. Then, in the holiday spirit, once you like them, you'll find yourself a wonderful little Jingle Bells holiday hunt. The address is facebook.com slash O'Neill Software clues and then some great prizes to be awarded if you put those clues together and get all the answers correct uh the prizes will be awarded december 27th so head on over after the show and join the fun that's facebook.com slash o'neill software well that puts me in the holiday spirit and and that just makes me want to sing a tune that has been part of my heritage for so long falla trolla falla trolla trolla falla welcome to the rim 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 pro reports the one and only weekly broadcast for the RIM support services industry. Bustling with news, views, here's what I believe, and the latest updates. That's just them. This show is full of interesting information. Stories. Yes. Important product and service reviews. Yes. And a cast of industry characters included. Yes. <laughs> Record center operators. Shred and destruction vendors. Media and electronic vaulters. Scanners and imaging providers. Take note. This show is for you. Now, here's your host, Tom Adams. Yep, it's me, and it's the second last show of the year. It's the Christmas show. First, let me say how thankful I am for the amazing gifts I've received over the last year hosting this show. I've had the chance every week to meet and talk to amazing people in and around our industry. I've also been extremely blessed to share them with you through this really cool web-based media. Thanks for listening to the show on a regular basis. I am gifted with an amazing show sponsor in O'Neill Software, and I'm really grateful for Ian and the team at O'Neill who continually encourage me to do great things with this show and support me in doing that. I have an amazing team of people around me at my office, in my staff, in my crew, my editor, uh, all the people that, that really make this show a possibility I'm grateful for. And all I can say this holiday season is how grateful I am for all of it. And in my own gratitude, I want to extend to you best wishes for the upcoming holiday season. May this time of celebration be one of great joy and happiness in your life and in your family's life for you as well. I know that the events of this last week uh, in uh, Connecticut are, are reminders of how precious life is. And I hope that as you experience uh, this holiday season that you will enjoy all that is wonderful and good. And uh, I'm, I'm grateful for you being a part of this world and for you sharing in it with us. Today, I'm excited to be able to talk to Dick Fordham of Recovery Point. Dick is the director of marketing and strategy for the company, which was born out of a tape media vault and provides integrated business continuity solutions. And so that to me is a really exciting part of the industry and it's an area where so much interesting stuff is happening and I'm looking forward to talking to Dick. But before I get him on the line, let's get caught up on the latest industry news. The acquisitions continue right up to the end of the year. Yesterday, Axis announced the acquisition of the Filing Source Group, including Filing Source, Shredding Source, and Imaging Source of Jacksonville, Florida. This acquisition strengthens the Access position in Florida and in the southeast of the U.S. 
Midwest. Peter Burnt, who has managed the Filing Source Group for three years, will continue in his leadership role with Access. Congratulations to the Bobek family on the sale of the business and to Access and the team for this, their latest acquisition. In another note, our good friend and regular guest on the show over the last few years, Tom Dumez, is striking out on his own. His new company name is now called Prime Compliance. Having grown his compliance training program within the Kent Record Management context, Tom's training and advisory practice has grown exponentially over the years. We're planning on having Tom on the show early in the new year to get caught up on the latest compliance updates and on his new established business. So a big shout out and congratulations to Tom Dumez on his new company. You can find more about him at thehippaman.com. Next week on the show, I'm going to do a year in review episode. I'm going to give you a full recap of all the big industry events of the last year. If you are off work or you're wanting to hear about the year as a reminder just of what's happened and what's occurred, then tune in and next Thursday morning for the show. Well, that's it for now. I'm going to go get Dick Fordham on the line. Hang tight while I do. Dick Fordham is the Director of Marketing and Strategy for Recovery Point, an integrated business continuity company. Dick, welcome to the show. Tom, thanks very much. Pleasure to be here. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you on. Let's start by getting a, a maybe a thorough explanation of Recovery Point and what it is that you do and the services you offer at Recovery Point. Well, generally, you can call us a disaster recovery service provider, but that uh, that doesn't do justice to the scale of the offerings that we, we provide. Right. Um, let me give you an example. Um, the, the hot site disaster recovery business has been around for 30-plus years, and generally it, it, it means um, buying some high-end uh, servers, mainframes, yeah. uh, open systems, Wintel, uh, along with all the other associated peripheral uh, equipment and syndicating that among a number of customers in a, in a hardened data center such that if the clients have a disaster, they can use our, our machines and our servers and bring their data back up and connect their networks and get back in business. Right. That's one part of our business. We also offer very secure hosting services. We have a tape vaulting business, which is a, a tape media storage business and a fleet of trucks that run around the Washington, D.C. area picking up customers' uh, backup tapes. We offer consulting services for customers who need advice and guidance as to what they should plan for in terms of disaster recovery. Uh, we have a network service provider. Uh, we actually have our own network. Uh, wow. We're akin to an internet service provider as well. And we also have a, uh, a set of services around helping customers to execute their programs, manage services, in the event that their people cannot be available in the event of a disaster at our facilities. But the, the focus of what you do really, really hinges around business continuity, disaster recovery, and all of those pieces you've built together that you just described seems to me, and you call it in your, your model, integrated, because you, you explained some of the pieces, but tell me a little bit more about that integration part of it. Well, let's, let's say that a customer um, just wants one part of what we do. He just wants us to pick up his backup tapes, bring them to our vault, and and. and cycle them around you know, on a weekly or daily basis, that's fine. Right. But the customer may want more than that. Maybe yeah. he wants us to, uh, to vault his data directly to us electronically over the cloud uh, and then us to make tapes for the customer uh, on his behalf. Maybe the customer then says, okay, I've got some very critical applications that need to be up and running in minutes, so I'm going to mirror my applications to you at your hardened data center 
Uh, I'm going to combine that with the hot site services that, that meet my tier two and tier three application recovery times. I then want you to make tapes for me, um, and I want you to help me do the, the, the planning part of this as well in terms of consulting. So the customer can take one part of our, our service, or he can take all of it in an integrated fashion. Mm. So he's got one place to go, one contract to sign, and one service provider to negotiate with. And you and you really offer everything they need for a disaster recovery, at least a data-oriented disaster recovery operation. You have all of the pieces of that. Yes, we do. I mean, it's, it's not like you're going to company A for your hosting, but your disaster recovery is with company B. You're not going to someone else for your planning. You're not going to Iron Mountain, for example, for your tape backup. We do everything under one contract in one location. Hmm. So you were built on the back of a tape vault business, First Federal. And so talk about the move from sort of the traditional vault service offering into a more significant disaster recovery hosting digital data recovery focus. Yeah, it's an interesting journey, actually. Um, First Federal was founded in 1982, before I joined, right. of course, um, uh, by Mark Langer and uh, our president now. And Mark saw an opportunity to provide a very high-end media storage business in the Mid-Atlantic area. It started off with a, with a few vaults and grew, started off with a few drivers and grew to, to courier services, librarians, quite a substantial business, actually. And then Mark said, well, the reason the customers are backing up their data is they need to recover it in the event of a disaster, so why don't we expand this to disaster recovery services? So Mark then built a work area facility the customers that were displaced to come and work from in the event of a disaster. Right. Uh, and then started populating that facility with some, some data center space for servers and storage systems and type systems, and then grew it into a very significant business, which became Recovery Point, which was founded in 1999. So First Federal is our sister company, our parent company, uh, that provides the, the media backup and the tape business. And Recovery Point now is probably the third largest provider of disaster recovery services in the United States. Seriously? Behind, um, behind IBM and SunGuard. Really? Wow. Yeah. C congratulations. That's great. I didn't know that. That's amazing. Yeah, it's been, it's been a remarkable journey, actually. I, I was recruited in, in, uh, in 2008 from IBM, where I played a significant role in developing the disaster recovery business for IBM over a number of years. And uh, when I saw what Mark had done here, with no sales and no marketing, and then he offered me a job, which was basically a blank sheet of paper that said, take us to market, you know, create an identity for us, do the classic marketing activity that you're good at. I just couldn't turn it down, so I joined on the spot. And in the last four, four years, we, we're now competing with, um, with IBM and SunGuard, the two biggest established names in the marketplace. Wow, that's so cool. That's so cool. So I, that blank canvas to me sounds really appealing. So... I mean, you've got a significant history in the DR business. You, you just mentioned you came from IBM. So tell me a little bit more about your history in the industry. Then I want to talk to you a little bit about that blank canvas you had to work with. Sure. Um, I joined IBM way, way back in 1979 as a typewriter mechanic, would you believe? Um, I got involved in the, the service selectric? marketing the, business. The old type? Yeah, no, it was type bars and, uh, and selectric typewriters and that kind of thing. Wow. Um, I used to have a patch, a typewriter mechanic patch in Reuters, uh, in, in uh, Fleet Street, which was all the newspapers in London, and it was a lot of typewriters there. And, uh, and that was just the start of my career at IBM. And, and IBM was a wonderful company to work for. There were so many opportunities there. I ended up uh, being one of the founder members of the disaster recovery business back in the 80s for IBM, hmm. building the, um, 
building the trading uh, backup facilities for a lot of the London banks. Wow. Uh, and, you know, progressed on from there to do various different things. Um, came over to do an assignment in the United States for a couple of years as the, as the global marketing manager for disaster recovery business. Went back to Paris for a couple of years to run marketing for IBM Global Services and then decided that the US was where I wanted to live and came back to work for IBM for the next six years, uh, developing new services for the disaster recovery business. And then I got a call from Mark in uh, Mark Langer in, in 2008 and, and decided to uh, take him up on his offer. And that's where the, the blank canvas came in. Well, so, okay, so I'm, I'm a marketing guy. I, I live and breathe marketing in the, the greater rim industry, and I love blank canvas. So you show up from IBM, and you've got a blank canvas. Here's somebody who's built a really cool business on the back of just internal growth and probably referrals so how did you take that blank canvas and do something really kind of cool with it give me a sense of what you did in those first few years well the first thing was to was create an identity create a brand mm -hmm. um, so so we this company was called recovery point systems to begin with and i shortened it to recovery point because that's what our customers used to call us and it gave us a number of neat opportunities for follow-on market activity being called recovery point because that's one of the recovery point objectives people look at when they're doing disaster recovery. Right. Um, but anyway, the, the, the objective at the beginning was to create a brand, which we did, create all the corporate colors, the pantones, uh, create all the key messaging, the message management, uh, really identify what strategy we were going for, what our target market was, uh, how we were going to compete, what, what differentiated us from, from, the, from the rest of the, of the players in this marketplace. So I spent the first couple of years doing that. Uh, I, you know, There was no website, so I had to build a website aligned with all those brand elements um, and uh, and then started doing demand generation work based on the fact that people now knew who we were. We sponsored some significant trade shows like Disaster Recovery Journal and Continuity Insights and we were gold sponsors there and we, we spent quite a lot of money mm -hmm. but we became recognised within the industry and now you know we have relationships with people like Gartner and 451 Industry Group and, and Forrester and, and people know who we are and refer people to us. Right. Right, and it takes that time to be within a market of people who are most likely to use your service to become recognized enough to get those kind of referrals. Absolutely. I mean, one of the, one of the biggest issues that we still have a little of is that, you know, the technical people come and evaluate us, and they think we're great, and, and they put us forward as the, first you know, as the first company they want to do business with. But when that proposal goes upstairs to the CIO, the CIO's never heard of Recovery Point. Well, that was the case a couple of years ago. Right. And, and you know, you've got IBM, you've got SunGuard, two major brand names in the industry yeah. who people trust. Well, they didn't know us. So we had to do things a little differently. You know, things like certification, independent certification of our facilities and our processes, so that even though you didn't know who Recovery Point was, you knew who FISMA and SOC and Tier 3, Uptime Institute certification, you knew what that was. Right. And that applied to us. So we had to do things very differently to become a trusted name in this industry, which we we think we we are now. Yeah. So what makes Recovery Point different than the other ones? Because obviously you're now suggesting you're the third largest, but what makes you so different from IBM and SunGuard? Is it just that independent certification you just discussed, or is there more to it than that in terms of that positioning or that messaging that makes you different? I think there are probably... I can probably sum that up in, in terms of three main things that make us different. Firstly, we're able to make decisions instantly. We don't have to worry about 
paying shareholders on a quarterly basis were privately held. Mm. And therefore, if I want to do something in terms of marketing, I go to Mark Langer and say, Mark, I want to do this. It's going to cost this much money. Can I do it? And he says, yes or no. Decision made. You haven't right. got to go through layers and layers and layers of corporate structure to get a decision made. So that's very good. And that reflects itself in our ability to be very quick to respond to our customers. Mm. The second thing is that we are an integrated service provider. Now, that sounds trite, but if you think about it, if in the BCRS business in IBM, if a customer says, look, I want to host my own equipment with you, you can't do it because hosting is a different division within IBM. Right. So you have to go to a hosting division within IBM, so you can't do it. And that's a source of frustration for my, my colleagues at, at IBM, but, it, but it's a fact. So there's some things that we can do that the other guys can't do. Of course, there are some things they can do that we can't do because they're much bigger than us. Right. But in terms of agility and, and the fact that we're way undersubscribed in terms of our, of our customer base, and the fact we've got a very unique network as well, that's the other thing that differentiates us. We are on net to pretty much every single carrier in the United States because of the way we've engineered our network. And that means no matter where you are, no matter who your network carrier is, you've got a connection directly into us. Huh. Wow. So that instant decision-making, the integrated provider capability you have plus the network makes you incredibly unique in the marketplace. I think so, yes. Yeah. Uh, I think it does. Yeah. yeah. So tell me a little bit about the location footprint that you've developed. It looks like you have upwards of six locations now. Tell me a little bit about the, I guess, the strategy behind the locations you currently occupy. Well, Mark, Mark was a resident of D.C., so our, our flagship sites are actually in Maryland. Uh, we have a 115,000 square feet data center that I'm speaking to you from now. is in, uh, in Germantown, Maryland. That's our hosting facility, our disaster recovery facility, work area uh, facility. We have a 45,000 square foot data center in, in Gaithersburg, which is about nine miles away, mm-hmm. which is our sister company for First Federal, but it's also got work area facilities in it, and it's also got um, a mainframe uh, disaster recovery platform in it. Then we have uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin, which is a um, 100-seat work area. We have Mount Prospect in Illinois, near Chicago, which is our third mainframe recovery facility, but it's got hosting facilities as well there as well. Hmm. Um, and then we have, when you say six, six facilities, I want to be clear that we own four, and we partner with a company called DBSI for the other two. We've built work area facilities with them, and we share a common interest in, in disaster recovery. They have their own tape business as well, but we're very good partners with them. And, and if they've got a piece of business that they want to bid on, we back off. And if we've got a piece of business we want to bid on, uh, they back off. Right. So oh, okay. We have six facilities altogether, but two of them are with a very, very good partner. So are there more locations in the works, or was that sort of Washington, Chicago area really the, the key focus? Um, there is another a location in the works. We, the 115,000 square feet uh, uh, data center we have in Germantown is probably going to be replicated uh, in, the, in the fairly near future out in the Chicago area. Wow. We have a fairly small data center out there at the moment, um, just as a sort of a foothold in, in the marketplace as a backup for our own uh, our own use. Right. Um, but we're looking at breaking ground on a on a, on a bigger facility out there at some point in the near future. Wow. I'm not sure where it will be or when it will be, but that's in the plan. Yeah, that's great. So you, you mentioned earlier compliance and site certification appear to be extremely important to you. It's part of what you say makes you unique. So tell me more about why that matters so much. Well, um, if, if you're actually trusting your business to a disaster recovery service provider, you've got to know a number of things about them. 
and it's very easy to you know to read the marketing fluff uh, and and believe that. But behind that marketing fluff, there's got to be some some truth and some proof. Right. And um, you know we build our facilities to the high standards. Our Germantown facility is built to the Uptime Institute Tier Three standard, which means that all of the mechanics, electrical mechanics, water cooling, is all redundant. Um, it means that you can carry the full load of the building with all the mechanics by taking 50% of it offline to maintain it. Now, at some point, anyone knows you've got to maintain your equipment. Right. And if you need to maintain it, you've got to take it offline. If you take it offline, you've got to bring the systems down. And customers cannot afford that. So we've built our facilities such that you never have to bring their systems down because the infrastructure is always up, even though you're doing concurrent maintenance on one side of it. A lot of people say we're designed to be like Tier 3, well, but you haven't got a certificate for it. You haven't been certified by the Uptime Institute, so who's to know that that's true? Right, so it's external proof that you've done the due diligence in terms of the way you've built your infrastructure is really what that standard represents. Absolutely, yeah. and things like FISMA and SOC, you know, they, they are standards that are required by some companies before they'll do business with you. So, you know, it's not just the fact that we have to show proof. It means that if we don't have these things, customers won't do business with us. Yeah, yeah. So that then gets you into specific situations you might not get in otherwise, which has probably been part of the inevitable growth you've had, which is that ability to say those kind of things when many other people can't. That's true. I mean, um, you, you look at IBM and you look at SunGuard and you look at some of our other competitors, and they've got superb facilities, but they do not have Tier 3 uh, certification. They do not have blast-rated design, uh, government-based uh, level D blast-rate design for their, for, for their data centers. So while you can say, well, IBM won't let you down, that's true. Uh, they've got a lot of resources and, and, and they're in good hands. But their, their disaster recovery facilities do not meet the standards of ours. That's just a fact, right? And it's not because we, 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 you know, we're down on IBM. It's because we have to have those kind of standards. You know, a lot of our business comes from the federal government. You know, probably about forty percent of it. If we don't have FISMA, which is a certification that you adhere to the processes that meet government standards for handling data, then then you couldn't do business there. And I can only imagine that took significant effort to get that in place. S significant effort and significant money. Yeah. It's not, it's not cheap to get these kind of... Uh, firstly, it's not cheap to build these, these facilities to oh, that yeah. specification, but it's not cheap to get that certification either. Wow. So you've built a brand, you're a well-established company in the space, but how do you continue to sell DR business continuity services? Is it still a dial-for-dollar kind of thing? Uh, tell me a little bit more as the sales and marketing director, what are, or the marketing director, what are some of the, the, maybe the strategies or tactics you use that are particularly helpful? It's uh, a very good question. Um, we, we have grown slowly initially to, now we're growing quite fast. We've hired some extremely good salespeople. I mean, we've got two salespeople who I believe are right now are the best in the industry. And, it's, it's about feeding them opportunity. So right. this isn't about you know, getting on the phone and dialing up people. This is, this is about face-to-face -face discussion about the customer's business and how to protect it. So a lot of our leads come from the website. We're actually relaunching a new website in the new year that reflects the, the growth that we've undertaken and the new things we can do. But the opportunity is to feed our salespeople. Now, we do that a number of ways. We, we attend trade shows based on disaster recovery. 
we advertise in, in certain, uh, certain journals. We do a lot of face-to-face activity to, to let people see us right. and let people understand what we do. And we actually just launched a direct mail campaign, would you believe? Uh, you Good know, for you. Mail mail. Way to go. And uh, it's proven extremely successful. Oh, actually, I, I, I am so glad to hear that because I am a staunch, firm, uh, heretical believer in direct mail. It's, to me, one of the secret sauces of, of significant businesses throughout the world is the ability to put something put a stamp on something, but you got to know how you're doing it. So that's very cool to hear. Exactly. I mean, the, the pieces we're sending out are very good quality pieces, you know, very well-engineered pieces. And I think if you give someone the opportunity to walk away from their desk for five minutes, get away from all the emails and spam and everything else, and just sit quietly and read something that's quality, that means something to them, you, you get a significant return on that kind of investment. It's, oh, it's yeah. gone full circle. It's quite amazing. Absolutely. Yeah, because the tendency has been in an electronic world to go back to that stuff which seems easy and inexpensive. And to me, when it's inexpensive and easy, it's also easy to lose because everybody else is there. And to stand out from right. the pack, you have to do something different. So that's that's right. so cool to hear you're doing direct mail. So what what's the hardest part of the business continuity service business? What's really the difficult part of making it happen and keeping it growing? Um, I think I think the difficult part is something that we've started to, to, to I'd say master quite well. It's knowing when to when to turn business down, hmm. knowing what your target market is and sticking to it, not not to be distracted, uh, and being upfront with the customer and saying, "Listen, your requirements exceed our capability." You know, thank you very much. Have a nice day. We recommend you go here, 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 or here. The other thing is. Um, is the continued investment required to grow this business. I mean, it's significant capital investment. So you need, you need to get money in the door right. so you can get money out the door to keep reinvesting it. Uh, it's a good business. It's a good business model, but it requires constant investment. So I think those two things, the moment to walk away and be truthful with the customer and say, you know, I really cannot service your requirements. And the other thing is continued investment to service the clients that we do want to service. Yeah. I've never heard anyone say that, when to turn business away, and yet that to me becomes, it's really a secret to making sure that you don't get stuck with stuff that tears you down and actually wastes a whole lot of time because it doesn't fit your model. Exactly, and, and you know, you could, you know, some people just chase the money and it looks good, but you have to take a longer term view. Says, do I really want to service a customer that looks like this? Yeah. And the answer is sometimes no, you don't. Right. So a lot of people who listen to this show run information management businesses, shredding companies, some are in the scanning and imaging business, and and there's an awful lot of people who are listeners to this show that are in the tape vault business, similar to First Federal. Um, If they don't have the ability to create the kind of infrastructure you've built for full-on disaster recovery services, is this the kind of service that they can offer their clients but optionally use you as a back-end? Are you building those kind of models around what you're doing? Uh, We we don't have too much of a focus on that as a model, but absolutely we're open to that. We we have, Mark recently spoke, Mark Langer, our president, recently spoke at the the conference of of tech vendors, about that very issue. You know, a lot of these people are looking to become cloud backup providers. Right. The Hurricane Sandy was a, a great point in a lesson in that, you know, backup is not back in business. Because you've backed something up somewhere, 
it doesn't mean you can get back in business if your systems are gone. Right. You need somewhere to restore that data to in the event of a disaster. Right. So, you know, we're, we're the logical place to store it. We're the logical place to move the data, to restore it back to systems and bring it up on a network and let people use it again. Now, this, you know, there's a growing notion that, you know, cloud backup is the next disaster recovery thing. It's not. Hmm. Um, it's not enterprise disaster recovery. It's just cloud backup. Right. So it's 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 accomplishing one little piece of a monstrous puzzle that has to go into place to actually uh, make sure you can get your stuff up and going again. Absolutely. So yeah, absolutely. So the, so the companies you're talking about would be happy to uh, to talk to anybody that wants to offer our services as a back end to what they do. I mean that's that's great. Hmm. Some of these partnerships work. Some won't. We have evidence of some that, that are working very well right now, but. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we're not looking to create competitors here, uh, right, but right. We, we were very open to uh, to partnering with the right type of company, sure. Right, uh, absolutely. So you've been in the disaster recovery game a long time. What do you see that most business owners, enterprise executives miss when it comes to disaster recovery planning and preparation? Where, where are they making the biggest mistakes? Wow, uh, I would say that, you know, we always tell people to plan for the worst and hope for the best. And I think the recent weather-related events, yeah. you know, going back to Katrina and Sandy, have, have proven that customers cannot plan for the worst because they can't imagine the worst. Right. Um, and if they could imagine the worst, they couldn't afford it anyway, uh, post-disaster, pre-disaster. But post-disaster, the money comes up and they, they you know, get back from, from the brink of disaster. So I think one of the things is that, you know, People have been saying there's a sea change coming in this industry for some time. Well, I think I think it's finally arrived. I was involved in the in the industry during the London bombings, at the Bishopsgate bomb back in you know the IRA. I was involved right. in uh, with Katrina. I was involved in 9/11, and now the latest thing with Sandy. And in my experience, what happens is the first three months after a big event like that, nothing happens. Nothing happens at all. You expect the phones to ring, but nothing happens. Then after three or four months, people sitting there thinking, wow, I never thought of that would happen. What do I do now? Hmm. And that's why it goes quiet for three or four months. And then the phones start ringing and they start calling and asking, what do we do about this and what do we do about that? So uh. I think that, you know, the planning part of this, it doesn't matter what services you have on the back end, planning for the most likely contingency, planning for the most likely disruption and learning from previous disasters hmm. is something yeah. that customers don't do. Right. You know? It's, it's forgotten as soon as it's you know it's old history now. Sandy's old history. Right. There's still a lot of there's still a lot of issues going on in the city of Manhattan right now that people aren't aware of because it's not news anymore. Right. But it's all of those uh, companies and enterprises and agencies and whatever trying to get themselves back to where they were. Is that sort of what you're saying there? There's still a ton of work to go. Yeah. Oh, there's a huge amount of work. I mean, if you look at some of the major carriers major network carriers, their, their data centers in lower Manhattan were flooded uh, and, and they lost all connectivity to everything. So a lot of the service providers lost connectivity because they were reliant on those particular carriers. Nobody thought that would happen. Nobody thought there'd be you know, four floors of seawater below lobby level right. in, in, in their building, but there is. You know, Nobody thought that the hospitals would be flooded because the generators were on the third, 13th floor, but the fuel supplies were on the ground floor. Um, Nobody thought about that. Yeah. You know, things like that, that that people learn. Well, people don't learn. That's the problem. <laughs> right. they, they, as soon as you say out of the news, they go back to business as usual. Like, well, it's happened already. It won't happen again. Well, I'm telling you, 
it's going to happen again. I can pretty much guarantee it. Well, it seems to me then uh, it's people like you and the, the team at Recovery Point that become the holders of that knowledge. Well, it shouldn't be the case. We are because we do it every day, all day. But, you know, we shouldn't be. I mean, people should be aware that their businesses are at risk in some way from various threats, um, yeah. whether it be you know, where they're located, what the weather's particularly likely to be, how it's getting worse, uh, whether they've got disgruntled employees, uh, you know, whatever it might be, their businesses are always at risk and they need to do something to, to mitigate that risk in some way. Yeah. Well, it sounds like Recovery Point is doing a, an exceptional job of making that happen. I'm, I'm so pleased to hear that you guys are, uh, you know, kicking butt out there, making some things happen. And that's such a cool story. And I'm so glad that you took the time to tell us about it and tell us what you're doing, Dick. It's It's been a pleasure to talk to you. And uh, maybe one last question before we go. Well, what does uh, Dick Fordham do when he's not involved in disaster recovery? What do you do for fun or interest or offline when you're you're not trying to save the world what do you uh what do you what do you do otherwise i try and save myself actually i uh i'm a i'm a runner uh i i spend lots of time with my family both in england and the u.s i have five children and seven grandchildren wow um, i i recently did a, a tough mother which is a, a very interesting uh, obstacle course over 12 miles designed by the british special forces uh, that was interesting do it with my wife uh, we run together I play a little guitar, read read some, you know, when I have some spare time. But uh, but basically, wow. uh, I love this job. I mean, this this is this is a dream come true for me. For any marketeer will tell you, if you give a marketeer a blank piece of paper and some money, and tell him to go do it, do whatever, you know, take us to market. That's just a dream. Love. So blank uh, I canvas. enjoy I enjoy yeah. every day. I enjoy every day here. It's great. Very cool. Well, Dick, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for spending the time and uh, continued success in where you go next from here. We're going to keep watching and uh, and look forward to many great things ahead. Thank you very much, Tom. I appreciate your time. Well, wasn't that good? Oh my goodness, that was a, a that was a great conversation. I already learned a ton from uh, Dick, and the information he discussed there was was great. Um, that, that sense of really understanding what makes his business unique in the marketplace, instant decisions, uh, an integrated provider, the, the unique network they have, uh, the standards and site certification and compliance. What I think so cool about it is instead of just doing it, they tell people about it. They, they clearly define themselves in the marketplace, and that is great. I think that also when to turn business away was a powerful, powerful lesson for all of us. So there you have it, another great show. Thanks to Dick Fordham at uh, Recovery Point for uh, sharing his story with us and their story with us. I want to thank you for joining us today, and I want to thank you for being a part of the show on a regular basis. I know this is the last show before the Christmas celebration, so if you're celebrating, I, I hope you have a great season. We're actually going to be back next week with a, a great show that really is a uh, compiling of the year. We're going to look at the year in review uh, on the RIM Pro Report and in the industry and then into the new year with some great shows ahead. So thanks for joining us. And I want to also thank O'Neill Software, our exclusive sponsor on the RimPro Report. They continue to uh, support us in the work we do here on the show. But I, I think something really cool that you got to check out is uh, they're doing a Jingle Bells holiday 
contest. And you just need to go to facebook.com slash O'Neill Software. That's facebook.com slash O'Neill Software. It's just available till tomorrow the 21st, so don't miss it. But it's a really cool thing. You can get, win prizes, but you got to follow them on O'Neill Software on their Facebook page. So facebook.com slash O'Neill Software. Do it now. Don't miss out. There's great prizes to be had. I'm not sure what the prizes are. They haven't said because it's a little bit of a secret. So I hope you enjoy that. Have fun. And thanks again. Happy Christmas. Happy holidays. Merry New Year. And the rest, uh, I hope you have a good one. We'll talk soon. See ya. Bye. We are out of here. Thanks for joining us on the Rim Pro Report with Tom Adams. If you enjoyed the show, please tell others. Our website is www.rimproreport.com where you can find show archives and a whole lot more. This broadcast is produced and hosted by Flourish Press Incorporated. Join us again soon.